Hello and welcome to My Biggest Lesson, the show that brings you the key learnings from the most influential founders, executives, and investors in the Colorado tech community. My name is Adam Burrows. And I'm Chris Erickson. Together, we are the co-founders of Range Ventures. An early stage venture firm based in Denver. You can find out more about what we're up to at range.vc. Our guest this week is David Cohen. David is a multiple time entrepreneur, most notably as the founder of Techstars, the global accelerator program. Most people locally know how incredibly important Techstars and David have been to putting Colorado Tech and specifically Boulder on the map as one of the leading innovation hubs in the country. Since the first class in 2006, Techstars has expanded to dozens of international programs and has now funded over 3,800 new companies. David, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, glad to be here. Excited to be involved with the fund and, and hang out. From our vantage point, really one of the first movers in the current kind of generation of Colorado Tech and all that you've done with, with Techstars and uh, really spawned so much great, great stuff here. But I want to go back a little bit to the beginning. Tell us about the journey, your journey here uh, to Techstars and then starting Techstars. Yeah, so I'm, I'm basically a born geek. You know, I, I was playing around with computers you know, at the, at the birth of the internet and, you know, even before that and went to school to study computer science. And, you know, when I finished that, did have a job interview, actually got a job uh, after school as a programmer. And it would turn out that that would be the only job I ever interviewed for in my whole life. So, I, you know, I, I got that job and they were building software for the ambulance industry. And I, I thought that, you know, the approach that was being taken wasn't great and that we could unsuck that problem a little bit. And so started a company to build software for ambulance dispatch and billing that's dispatched over 20 million ambulances now, which is pretty cool. Had a couple other companies and started angel investing after having some luck and some success with those companies, both successful and failure outcome outcomes from those startups. And uh, loved angel investing, loved the idea of it, but didn't like how it really felt, which was being asked for money in a coffee shop and then crossing your fingers and hoping that worked and never hearing from people. So I wanted to create a model that was a bit more you know, engaged with the entrepreneurs, a, a bit more leveraged. And that's uh, when Techstars was born, which has now invested in over 4,000 companies using the accelerator model that we helped invent. It's, it's incredible. So t- tell us, you know, fast forward, Started Texture, I think it was 2008. Um, we started in, in 06, but in 07 was the first program, and I was the original managing director. Uh, so, yeah, it's been quite a ride, 16 years or so. So, so take us through the, that 16 years in, in you know, 30 seconds or, or less to where we are today. We're, with Techstars, you guys have global. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, we, we operate accelerators uh, in more than 50 markets uh, around the world in, in 16 countries. Um, it, it did start here in Colorado, um, in Boulder, but you know we now operate in, in all the major cities you would think of uh, around the world. And as I mentioned, more than 4,000 companies that have raised about $25 billion in venture capital and are worth you know well over $100 billion at this point. So yeah, dozens of unicorns and, and many IPOs and lots of great stories. But that accelerator model really is very mentorship-oriented, very give-first. Uh, by communities around the world to help entrepreneurs get off the ground. And 
it's it's really a scaled up model today that is kind of like like everything that you get involved with as an entrepreneur. You sort of look back and say, "Wow, it, it sort of blows your mind that it's that big." It's incredible. I remember and I wasn't there at the beginning, but really early on, um, being at the, the 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 theater in Boulder and seeing Demo Day, and Boulder was still the only program. It's just amazing to see what what you all have done with it since that that point. What do you see? You know, given the success that you've had, and really then spawning. Y Combinator and a whole bunch of other accelerator, you know, peers. Uh, what do you see as the role of the accelerator, you know, playing now and going forward versus what it's played for the last fifty? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. You know, since the the downturn in the in the VC market, um, you know, post pandemic, our applications are up two hundred fifty percent. So people certainly are craving the offering. I, I think it it has to do with identifying and supporting entrepreneurs that maybe aren't in the flow of the VC market, right? Or don't know a lot of investors or don't have a great story or, or necessarily enough traction, right? To be noticed in this type of market or any market. And, and I think um, that's a huge role, you know, because we do operate in so many places, we, we are connecting people in those markets, you know, like a Berlin, right? Or, you know, an Atlanta to uh, a broader investor network and really helping them get their story in a place that's really exciting and helping get some traction early on. So I think it's always been a network uh, value proposition, you know, more than a money. We, you know, we only invest $120,000 in each company, but that turns out that's enough to really plug you into our network and get you connected to the next level of capital customers and talent that you need. Awesome. And I know that you, you're now a global organization, but but the roots are here in Colorado, and, and we still in, here in Colorado we still think of TechStars as, as a you know one of our own. Um, what's one company here that you are particularly excited about right now? Gosh, uh, it's hard to pick one. I you know I, I I go to Boulder and I think about a company that a good friend of mine started, um, Rajat Bagarva. He started a company called Jump Cloud. I'm sure, you, you know of it. We've had Greg on the podcast. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, I'm also involved with Endeavor Colorado and Greg and 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 Roger, Endeavor entrepreneurs. So you know, just just an amazing story to to see it take off. We were fortunate to be you know small early investors in it, but you know, love love actually Raj's whole career has just been amazing to watch. So and and it's a it's a local story here in Boulder. So it's, I'll pick that one. What's your um, incredible company? Of course, what what's your take on the local scene in general? Since you know. 2006, starting TechStars and even even being here before to what it is today. When I started, we started because um, you know I have, I have co-founders. You know, in 2006, Boulder it was somewhat entrepreneurial, but it was very hard to find angel investors, and there really weren't any seed funds uh, at that time. And so, it's very different today. And and today, I don't really think of it as Boulder. I think of it as Colorado because you know it's been amazing to see what's happened in Denver, and you know there were. Um, a group of us that, that created a thing called you know Colorado Startups, uh, which has now you know been taken over and grown. It's just to tell the stories of of companies uh, here in Colorado, and I think the rest of the world doesn't think about Boulder or Denver or Colorado Springs. They think about Colorado, right? And so it's now one big happy family. Back then it wasn't. It was a little bit competitive, and you know very hard to to find mentors who would give their time or, or investors who were investing, uh, even though they could. You know that successful entrepreneurs were off sailing around, you know, on their boats or whatever, and didn't have a way to engage with the community. So it's incredibly different today. You know, Colorado is now consistently in the top five or 10 of states that attract venture capital dollars. And, 
you know, great funds like yours have, have emerged and that's a big part of the story, right? There are now a lot of capital that's connected to the rest of the world here in Colorado. Absolutely. Um, it's funny that, that you say that people think of us as Colorado. A lot do, but a lot that I think it maybe dabbled here many years ago when it really was a, a bolder story, primarily on the front range, will say to us, you guys live in, in Denver. Do, do you also invest in Boulder? <laughs> so far away, right? I mean, it's, you know, so exactly. at least half an hour to get here, right? <laughs> exactly. So uh, we, we viewed it as one big, big ecosystem as well, of course. <laughs> well, let's move on to, to uh, why we're here, which is you've obviously learned a amazing amount of lessons, both as an entrepreneur yourself and all the companies that, that you've got to advise and see succeed, fail, and, and everything in between. Uh, you had to distill it down to one. What's the biggest lesson? Well, I'm a I'm a programmer uh, by training originally, and, and and you know some people call it a hacker. So I'm going to hack your podcast. So I'm going to give my biggest lesson, but actually there's like multiple lessons embedded in that. You know, in, in I think it was 1980, The Empire Strikes Back came out, and uh, this little green dude, you know, was watching Luke try to lift the you know the X-wing fighter out of the muck, and you know Luke said something like, "I'll I'll give it a try." And what Yoda said is my biggest lesson, which is do or do not. There is no try. And I feel like there's multiple lessons embedded in that, specifically, you know, sort of the lesson about choice for entrepreneurs, uh, do or do not. The the lesson about language, right? Language really, really matters. And the lesson about belief. I'm a big believer that belief really matters. And and so I've seen those three things sort of in in my career over and over again that come out of that one thing that, that Yoda so wisely said, uh, choice, language, and belief. That's that's great. Let's explore all three if you're game. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> so, sure. so choice, let's let's dive into that. What, what, what do you mean exactly by that? And, and can you think of a, a good example? Well, if you listen to that first part and ignore the last part, you know, do or, or do not, you know, there is no try, right? But do or do not basically says, look, there's a choice. You don't have to do everything. So when I think about my first company, Penpoint Technologies, we were approached very regularly, even though we were in the ambulance dispatch business, right? We were approached really regularly to do things in the courier business. You know, let's use the same dispatch technology to deliver packages or I don't know, like beverage companies, like literally wanted to deliver Coca-Cola to vending machines. And, you know, we, we realized that saying, you know, we're, we're going to do not, we're going to not do this is a choice that we have. And I think that focus Help that company a lot, but I, but I, in my coaching of thousands of other companies, I think what they choose not to do, do or do not, is as important as what they choose to do. I think also on that, you know, tell me if this if this resonates. It's also really actually making that explicit choice in a binary way, and don't have to do something, especially as a startup, right? I've seen that in a lot of yeah. You know, let's put a little thing out to try it, and it really doesn't have any chance if you're not going to really throw throw your full commitment behind it. Yep. So that's the first thing, and, and I think the language of it. You know, I, I, I'm just seen over and over again, the way you say something or how you say it matters so much. You know, I think there, you know, there is no try, right? Like I can't tell you how many times I've coached an entrepreneur who's raising money, uh, where, you know, they say they're trying to raise a million dollars, right? Uh, but what they are doing is they are raising a million dollars and that's the feedback I give them, right? It shows up in lots of ways. Like, you know, someone will say, oh, we're raising one to 2 million. Well, no, that, that means you're hoping to do 2 million and you're sort of trying to at a minimum do 1 million, but you don't have, you know, you're not sure. And I've seen how effective it is when you just change the language to say, we are 
raising a million dollars or we are raising $1.2 million. Uh, you're using specific language that that is clear and you know this is what you are doing. It's not loose language, right? And it has to do with belief also, which we'll get to, but I, I think language that's full of doubt, that has words like try in it. And I think people pick up on that, right? And, and I remember very vividly with SendGrid, um, a company that went through our accelerator, I think it was 2009 IPO, and I was on the board for a long time. Like Isaac, the founder, early on was very unclear, like how much money we're raising, uh, you know, exactly what we want to do with it. And, and, and I saw like, as soon as he was specific and clear about what he was going to do, what his plan was using language that was clear, positive and not wishy-washy or, you know, attempting to do things, he started to raise money, started to convince people. And I see that time and time again. So I think the language of it, you are doing something. You're not trying to do something is really important too. You think that's just because confidence attracts people? Is it is it because founders are afraid of failure? Like, what if I say I'm going to raise two, I'm raising two, and I don't end up raising two? Well, that's a different topic and another lesson. But I, I think entrepreneurs should ask for less and let the market push them up uh, for that reason, because oversubscription is, is better than undersubscription, right? We all have learned that lesson too. But there is language that inspires confidence, and there's language that inspires doubt. And I think that's one of Yoda's lessons, do or do not, there is no try. Yeah. And, and the confidence is so important. You know, you look at entrepreneurs, it's not just raising money. It's it's obviously getting customers to jump on early. It's getting early talent to go kind of bet their careers on you. Um, and I think that confidence is is super important. Yep. For sure. I agree. Well, let's, let's talk on the, the belief side. Sure. Yeah. So the belief, uh, and this maybe is the most important one, but maybe the hardest one for people to believe. So I, I get the irony of that. So Luke finally gets the X-Wing out of the water, right? Because he believes that he can't. I mean, fundamentally, that's, you know, he has the power to do it, just like entrepreneurs have the power to create a great company. And if you don't believe you can do it, I think it's much, much harder to do. So for entrepreneurs or really for anyone, I, I, I believe that uh, there's a lot of power in positive thinking and visualization of the future. I don't think anything is possible, but I think everything is more possible. And in fact, more likely if you believe that it's going to happen. So I'll share a, a pretty personal story on this one. Um, I have uh, two kids from a previous marriage. Uh, I have an ex-wife, went through a divorce. And at one point, uh, my ex said, hey, I'm going to uh, move away. You know, We're going to move to a different state on the East Coast. And I started in reaction to that planning, okay, maybe I want to rent an apartment or buy an apartment in that same town and, and, you know, so I could go and visit them. And, and so I let myself sort of believe right early on that that was going to happen. And, and as things progressed, I just remember vividly one day just saying to myself, no, that's not going to happen. Right. And it wasn't that I said to her, no, you can't do this. It was, you know, I said, no, I don't, I don't believe that's going to happen. And I started, you know, my behavior probably changed in subtle ways because I actually believed that somehow it wasn't going to happen. And eventually she changed her mind and never moved away. And I didn't have to deal with, you know, not having my two older kids around uh, for the rest of their childhood. Right. And so I think it's not that you have to believe in magic. It's that I think belief actually drives your behavior and your actions in, in very subtle ways. So what you believe will happen, I think, is actually more likely to happen. And I've seen this influence events, you know, for entrepreneurs and just lots of people in my life 
Now, you know, that probably doesn't mean you can lift an X-Wing fighter out of the mock, uh, but but I think in where you do have the power, your belief has a lot to do with what that outcome is going to be. It's something that I, I believe strongly. Thanks for sharing that that story. When you see founders, is this something where you've seen founders who didn't have belief be able to actually go change that and go on to, to be that real confident visionary force and build a great company? Or is it like you kind of come into it and you have it or you don't as a founder? No, I think I think you can. I think it's a mindset thing. It's similar to like willpower, right? You, it's hard to fake. And if you're faking it, it probably, it's not real belief. But, you know, I, I remember sitting with uh, an entrepreneur, you know, that was terrified of demo day. I can't do this. And she's psyching herself out. And, you know, she, she was a musician. So I said, look, let's figure this out. Do you believe that there's a, that you can deliver like the best pitch on demo day? And eventually she started saying, if you can help me, like I'm, I'm terrified to even stand up there. She had real stage fright, but I said, you're a musician and you're incredible. Like let's, let's just do it in a song. And it changed everything. Right? She got up there with her guitar, she sat on a stool, and she did Pink Floyd money, and she asked for money. Right, And it was the best pitch on Demo Day, in my opinion. It's because eventually, like by becoming comfortable or, or believing she could do it, like she was even better in the pitch than she would have otherwise been because she had that confidence, she had that belief once it turned to music. So you have to find ways to leverage your strengths, but that can create belief and that can change outcomes. What do you think is is the sticking point for entrepreneurs? Because clearly, if you're going to go quit your job or, or whatever you're doing and take this leap of, I'm going to start a company, right? You've got to have some level of intrinsic belief and, and motivation. What happens between then and the point where you meet somebody and they just, they need a mindset shift, right? What gets in their way? Yeah, I, I think uh, the real world intervenes and I don't remember who whose quote it was, but you know, no plan survives the first punch or whatever, right? Uh, in a fight. So, like, you know, like Tyson, right? Yeah. 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 Probably Tyson. That sounds right. Yeah. Things go wrong, right? Um, not everything works like the business plan, right? That you laid out, if anyone still does that. And, you know, you have setbacks, right? And that detracts from, from your confidence and it can affect your belief, right? But you can, that's a mindset thing, right? Like you can, believe that you're going to raise money. You can believe you're going to go get 10 customers, right? You can believe that you're going to build a great product. And I think it makes you a little bit more likely to actually do those things. No, it's 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 totally uh, my experience as well. And in fact, a lot of the best founders I've met who have actually you know really succeeded at scale, David, I don't know if this is your experience as well, have, have really internalized that and actually have some of that uh, Steve Jobs reality distortion field. Right. Exactly. Steve Jobs is a perfect example of this. Like he, he just, you know, manifested the future by believing in it and people would not doubt him. Another part of this, right. They through his language. And, you know, I think that in the end, the fact that he was so crazy and so bold, like they pulled it off, right. They, they created the iPhone, they did all these things. And, and I think that if they didn't believe they could, they wouldn't have. Yeah, I was actually just at a dinner last night with some local founders and their seed stage founder, one series A, but early stage founders. And we're talking about how they had some really big enterprise customers and they got in the room and initially they were intimidated, but they realized actually that these customers actually wanted to, wanted them to be the expert, right? And I think we as humans are wired to want to believe a differentiated, better future. And we also want to believe people who seem to really have command over that particular domain. 
And that's the type of subtle thing that happens when you believe and when you use confident language. Okay, someone who maybe was 49, 51, that they were not going to buy the product or not going to invest, they go 51, 49, and that's all it takes. It's a game of inches, right? So people do want to be around people who are confident, not falsely so, not you know with bravado necessarily, but like one of the ways that you inspire confidence is, is you're specific. And again, I think that's back to the language, right? Uh, there is no try. I'm not trying to do something. I am doing something, right? This is what we're doing. And we'll, let's do it together. And you can feel that someone who says it that way believes it more than someone says, I'm trying to raise a million dollars. You can just feel it. Absolutely. This is a great way to frame all the future pitches that I'm going to be seeing over the next few months and uh, coaching for founders. So f- fantastic lesson. Thank you so much, David, and, and appreciate all you've done and continue to do for for the Colorado ecosystem. Uh, where can our listeners follow along with uh, what your, you and Techstars are up to? Well, there's techstars.com as the website. I don't know what social media things people are doing anymore, but I'm pretty easy to find on most of them. And so, yeah, I encourage people to reach out uh, on their favorite one and say hi. Thanks so much. 